How's it going, guys? This is James Bowen back again with the Football Apex Podcast, here with Elliot. And this week, we're going to be discussing whether or not Robert Lewandowski can actually break Gertz Muller's record for most goals in a Bundesliga season. How's it going, guys? It's James back again with another Football Apex Podcast video, uh, here with Elliot. And we're going to be discussing how Robert Lewandowski has got 25 goals, and he just, sorry, he's played 25 games, but he's got 35 goals, and he only needs five more to tie Gerd Muller for the record of most goals in a Bundesliga season. Now, Elliot, this guy's been on fire. He's more than a goal a game. Mm -hmm. Do you think he's going to be able to do it? So he's at 35 right now, right? Yeah. And how many games left? Nine games needs five goals. Oh, yeah. I mean, he could have nine minutes for that. So (laughs) (laughs) at this rate, he could have 40, over 40 by in the next five games. So I, I think nine games is, is, is really generous for him. If it's a three game thing, then it's more difficult. But I mean, the way he's playing right now and the service he's getting from Sané and Gnabry and, and all these guys, it, it's going to happen one, one way or another. And, and I, I think obviously he's not greater than Mueller was, but at the same time, Arbor Lewandowski is just breaking barriers of how, how consistent he has been in the Bundesliga and in Champions League, and he is just—he's just something else. Uh, he makes playing football look like miniature golf. Um, <laughs> it's just—he's it, just an animal, and I don't know if anything can stop him. He has 42 goals this season already. He's going to hit 50 goals again for two straight years. The last—the last people to do that two years in a row or years consecutively—they—they. They, one of them wore the Barcelona shirt, was called Messi. The other one wore the Real Madrid shirt, was called Ronaldo. So sure he, he can potentially, over this closing stretch, stretch of his career, have a, not not to the extent of Messi and Ronaldo, but have a, a quarter of what they did in, the, in his last uh, um, stretch of his career because he's just been incredible. And uh, the goal just happened today so fast and so quick. And it just, it's just a matter of time before he uh, gets that ball in door. And I thought about this and I think Kimmich has a really strong case. I think Neymar will have a strong case, but um, I think Lomodowski is, is kind of already won it um, and he deserves it. Would you consider him a back-to-back winner? Yeah, no question about it. He was, he was going to win last year. The only reason they didn't give it to him was because he was going to win it. (laughs) It feels like (laughs) I bet the commissioner of FIFA must be the biggest Borussia Dortmund fan of all time. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's no reason to not give the ball to That doesn't make sense. That's that's such a rash decision. Yeah. Did they cancel League One, by the way? Did they cancel League One last season? Did they? Like, some leagues went as far as to do that. I don't remember. La Liga didn't. <laughs> but if, if you're canceling, that, that's basically like saying the last – at that point, COVID had only been around for like a couple months. So that's like saying that the last eight months of your productivity doesn't matter anymore. It's not like this happened after a month or something. Then I understand canceling it. But, uh, you know, you, he had eight months of goals before that. So I just I just think that the whole thing was ridiculous. But it doesn't matter. He's going to do it again. I mean, he's going to win it. That, this upcoming time and um yeah he's just right there he's right up there so as, as far as the world's best players he's right up there with Neymar and, and everybody else um um as far as player who's playing the best it's definitely Lewandowski I I watch this guy every week and 
Um, they, they, Bayern plays such an attractive brand of football, which is, I, it, it's awkward for me because I'm not a big fan of Bayern, but I also love the way they play kind of like uh, Pep's Barca for you, maybe. Um, yes, so it's yes. just, it's, 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 it's just, uh, not really where to put it, but it's, it's just incredible what that team has been able to do. And specifically what Robert's been able to do, he's, he's just making football look like, uh, like it's like anybody can do it. Like it's, it's just easy to him. He, he's looking like not human out there. And he could have had a fourth um, in that game as well that he missed uh, on, a, on a really close uh, strike that he probably should have scored. Um, but yeah, I mean, Robert Lewandowski's going to break this record and, and I'm sure that's, that's not the last record he'll break. In all fairness, he, do you think he could go down as the greatest player to ever grace the Buddhist league? So that would mean Mueller or something, uh, Greg Mueller, better than Be Beckenbauer, better than um, uh, you know those those types of players. I'm just trying to think of the top of my head of Bundesliga legends that are are high on the on the all time list. Um, if he like averages 50 goals a season for the next six years, then yeah. It's tough though, because I think he's already past 30. So, so what, like... he's 32. If he does, okay, so 32, 33, 34, 35, 30. If he does yeah, it for the but... next four years, 50 a season or 40, 45 plus, then I think I think it's possible. Um, the, the Mueller, I think Mueller's pot, you I mean, he's a scoring machine as well, but I think you can maybe argue that he can pass him. But I just find it, I just find it, um, uh, difficult for anyone to, at least in Germany, to pass Beckenbauer um, because I, I just think he plays a totally different position, obviously, but um, it's it's just hard to think of someone being better than him in, in the Bundesliga. That's fair. And there are different positions, of course, but yeah. like what would, what would it take him at the very least to be like Bayern's best striker ever? Do you think he's going to be in that all-time 11? Oh yeah, for sure. Um, I think I think he need a couple of Champions Leagues. So uh, he got one last year. If he gets one this year, if he if he goes on like a three peat or a four peat or something like that, or something just um, out of the ordinarily great, then then maybe you. I mean, that, I think that's kind of what it would take because the goals uh, thing is is great, and if he continues to score like the way he is, and then he he wins a couple of Champions Leagues. Um, then maybe maybe he, you could see him as a higher graded player than um, Mueller. I think it's a conversation, um, but it's I think it still heavily favors Ken Mueller for the time being until um, obviously until further notice. Just because the guy had like 700 goals, so it's just it's really hard to to kind of think of of Robert being better than that. But when you watch Robert play, it's just like it's hard to imagine that something can be better than him. So it's like. The old generation is always going to side with the, with the all-time legend. And the new generation is going to look at what Robert Lewandowski has done over the last 10, 11 years in the Bundesliga or whatever. Um, and so it's, it's going to be like, there's never going to be a definitive answer to that question. Do I think he could surpass uh, being the best striker of that era or all overall in, in Byron's history? I think it can, but it just depends on your criteria because I don't, I don't know how many goals he has in his career. But I know Ged Mueller has like 700, over 700 goals. So um, 
it's just it's a number wise he probably won't be able to stack up unless he does something extraordinary with the less in the next four or five years but um it's a conversation i'm just not sure he he's has the upper hand at the moment but the, the conversation is becoming more reliable as time goes on and as he continues to put 50 goals in the back of the net <laughs> and he's consistent man like when he first joined byron i remember he scored in a loss to manchester city it was three two due to a Kunaguero hat trick. Yeah. Like he's showed up against every team you put him against. Barcelona, Real Madrid, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. Dortmund, infinite amount of times. He can really do it anywhere. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I feel like the Bundesliga is the modern, like most difficult league. Yeah. Genuinely believe it. And the fact that he's making that league look like a like a game, I don't have any doubts that if he just wanted to join the Premier League, he would have feasted there. He would have he, feasted anywhere he goes. Yeah, anywhere. This guy, like, he's his. Dare I say it? He's reminds me a little bit of Cristiano Ronaldo in the sense of like the numbers he's putting up, the physique, the consistency, and that that sniffing out of chances of like box in the box. Now yeah. he doesn't have the pace, doesn't have the skills, doesn't need it. He's just a natural finisher. And in my head, he's starting to, to rival that notion of what Cristiano Ronaldo mm -hmm. in his prime was in the Champions League, in goal scoring. He had 15 last season, and those were one-legged knockout times. Yeah, so if, if there's two legs, he breaks Ronaldo's 17-goal um, season. Probably goes for 20 and just – it would rewrite history. It's, it's so unfortunate. It's not his fault. No, it's not. And, and obviously, there's a lot of things. And, and you could argue that at least – I don't want to say he's a better finisher, but I think sometimes in certain situations he's more precise. He's not better than Ronaldo, at least at that time. And Ronaldo has the, the more barrage of skills and the physicality and stuff that Robert clearly doesn't have. But um, Robert just, once he gets in the box in a place where he feels like he's dangerous, I it's like, it's just good night <laughs> because it just feels like every time he's in those spaces, he he's always converting or nearly converting unless, you know, it just seems like he's, he's pretty on, on, on this stuff today. Uh, I don't know what it was 37 minutes into the game. He had three shots and three goals. So that just shows you how, how precise he is in front of goal. And he kind of reminds me a little bit of Holland, not for play style at all, but the yeah. unfortunate fact that he will never win an international trophy. Yeah. Euro that's, 2016. That's out of his control. Yeah. Like, but hey, he's he's fought head to head with the best. He and truly, you never know. Greece won the Euro one year. That is true. But then again, I wish everyone had that like optimism. Yeah, you know, like, I mean, I think about it. It's probably not likely, but Greece didn't have anybody like Robert Lewandowski on that team. So, and I think Poland has enough good players to do something, but I would say it's highly unlikely that anything occurs outside of that. Um, but I don't know if even if they got to if he got to like a quarter or semifinal, I think that's that's an accomplishment in itself. Moving on from Robert Lewandowski, he's top, the top scorer of the Bundesliga by 14 goals. He's got 35. And the Jesus next Christ. two guys tied for second are Andre Silva, your boy. Yeah, my boy. Julian Holland, my favorite striker right now. I mean, 
what a glory hunter I must be to like Erling Holland that much, but he truly is just like Ibrahimovic reborn in his interviews and in his play style and everything. Who's gonna win the race to second place? <laughs> Wait, what's the what's the what's the tally right now with Silva and, 20, and both have 21. Whew, whew. All right. So there's nine games left, right? Yeah. And they're both at 25? Oh, they both have 21. <laughs> Rubber is 14 goals ahead of both of them. I'm going to say Andre Silva ends with 29. And I'm going to say Erling Holland ends with 28. And the reason is Silva's on a better team. Frankfurt can put him in better positions. It's like for Holland, it's like, oh, no, we're losing to a team that's in 15th. Come rescue us, Erling. And then he, he comes up with the moments and he gets that. But with 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 uh, with Frankfurt, there are so many players on his team that can help him more so than the team that that uh, that's in Dortmund. You look at Jovic, um, not playing that well over lately, but um, and um, Kostic off the wing, really good with the ball. You have Kamada in the middle. Um, he, I think he has more players, not that we're more talented because the Dorman squad is more talented, but the, the Frankfurt team has players in much better form around Silva than uh, Dortmund has around Holland. And I know he had Sancho, but he has, you know, they are hit and miss as, as a team collectively where Holland's going to need to fight to, to, to get those goals so Dortmund can get back in games where Silva and the, his, his, um, his supporting cast can put him in those positions um, to continue to sort of uh, help um, the Portuguese um, striker to, to, to add his tally. And he's taking the penalties for um, Frankfurt as, and obviously Holland is doing it, but, um, but it's still, I, I still think because of his supporting cast, he'll end up with more. I don't think Silva's better than Holland and Holland will end up with more goals in all competitions, but just because Frankfurt is, is substantially better than Dortmund. I think Silva has a slight advantage, especially, and especially because he has a Philip Kostic, who may have the best cross in the Bundesliga. And Silva is very physical and gets in the air really well. And even though Holland is great with in the air as well, he doesn't have someone on Dortmund that can give him the the types of service that a lot of the Frankfurt teammates can give to Andre Silva. That's true. Now that I think about it, it, it reminds me of Kylian Mbappe. Now here, he always makes his way into these conversations. Really, <laughs> he's sure got does. the most stacked teams. Like he can never complain about service. Yeah, never. So, can you really compare him to an Erling Holland when it's night and day the quality of their teams? <laughs> yeah. And in a way, Holland last season did more damage with that team than uh, Mbappe did with the runner-up. Is yeah. that crazy? Like if you switch them. It's on the speaker. Oh, Mbappe is incredible. We understand this. And uh, just a quick plug. I did I did a, a, a piece on Mbappe's rise to, um, not the rise, but kind of the stuff he went through up until the point where he got the hat trick at the Camp Nou. Um, check it out. It's on my blog. Um, <laughs> but um, I think that I talk, in that article, I talk about some of the teams that he had had and that him coming up short in some of these bigger games is not an excuse because of who was around him. If, even if you go back to that Monaco team, I think six or seven starters from that squad ended up going um, 
making a big money move to somewhere else. So it wasn't like it was just him against the world when he was at Monaco. And then he goes to a PSG team that had just signed Neymar. So obviously, not to say anything bad against Mbappe, but Mbappe is incredible. But Holland is doing um, more with less. And I, I feel like, yeah. and even the second he had a knockout game with Dortmund, um, because you can talk about the hat trick he had against um, a couple of teams in the uh, in the group stage. Then he goes to Dortmund. His first game as a knockout game for Dortmund scores twice. Dortmund are, are all in fully control in, in the tie against PSG. And then, uh, you know, Neymar said, wait a minute. <laughs> That's what bothers me. It wasn't Mbappe's doing. It was Neymar. Like, geez, I wish I could rely on Neymar. That's what Mbappe's telling me. Oh, sorry. That's what Erling Holland is telling me. So, wow, you have Neymar on your team. I have. <laughs> Who does he have? Like, Jaden Sancho. Jaden Sancho is a decent player. He's like, a very good player, but it's not, not the same. And You're talking about Neymar, the best player in the world. And at that time, he was a top two player or whatever. But that tournament gave him a platform to show that he is the best in the world. So um, Neymar did it. And you can't fault Erling Haaland for PSG collapse or it's not PSG, Dortmund collapsing their 2-1 lead against PSG. Ne- when Neymar plays like that, it's, it's, there's nothing you can do about it. Um, is it fair to say that was his best performance, Neymar's best performance of that, can- of that um uh, Champions League campaign, I, I think it was. So you're you're not only having to go up against a, name, a guy named Neymar, who's the world's best player, or at least one of them, that was at his very best. And as good as Hurling Holland is, he can't overpower that individually by himself. His teammates need to figure out a way to counter whatever Neymar was going to do. And and that's the thing with him and Holland. He's doing more with less. And um, and that's what makes him truly special. Again, uh, so, so equally, uh, Holland could go out and and get second in that race. But I just I love Holland and I have trust that he's going to continue to score. But I have more trust in Frankfurt's uh, teammates around Silva to give him more opportunities. So whether Holland finished second or third, it doesn't matter. But I, I think uh, at this point, I, I have more faith in the in the. Um, in the, the opportunities that Silva is going to be provided with where Holland may don't may not have the same opportunities and have to do something magical every other game because doormen are, are, are behind two teams that they shouldn't be behind to. And then obviously with, I mean, Frankfurt is just a really good team and they have so many good pieces. They got points off Leipzig and they've had some low moments, but they have the capabilities of putting him in position to do some tremendous things. So between the two, I think Arling Holland's the better player, but, Frankfurt with Silva and Frankfurt, he's the better teammates. And those and the, the style of football is more pragmatic to a striker who's going to add up goals where um, Dortmund's style is more, is, is more, has more reliance on Holland having to do what he's capable of. Hmm. Now, my question to you is, we mentioned before the Champions League mm-hmm. um, knockout ties. How on earth is he going to get past the Manchester City team? Is the short answer he won't? Uh, actually, I give I give Dortmund a shot in this, and here, here's why. What what in Europe? What has Manchester City been known Nothing. for? Nothing. I always <laughs> say this. They are so overrated. They are so people are like they're gonna win the Champions League this year, this year, this year. Leon, Monaco. That was a good Monaco team in 2016-17. Liverpool too. Smashed. They got smashed. Uh, 2019, unfortunate. They were. Aguero was upside. 
And then in 2020, that's the worst one. That's, <laughs> I don't care what anyone says. You pay that much money and you yeah. lose to Lyon. And think about this Lyon team. Yeah. How many of those players on that Lyon team would, would do you think big clubs really want? Maybe, maybe one, Awar, maybe. Depay, Awar. So maybe there's one player that every team in Europe would want. That's it. Against, an, against a good team that didn't even finish in the top four in the French League, which is not highly regarded by most people, and you lose to that team, it's just... That should have been... a. I don't get it, Elliot. I don't get it. People still like Manchester City superpower, the best team in the world. I'm like, they must be drinking that Kool-Aid because like they don't see it. Man City have never made the final. The one semifinal yeah. they did make, it was to a very weak Real Madrid team. I'm not even kidding. That was that was one of the worst semifinal ties ever. One nail on aggregate due to an own goal. Oh my god. And remember just, it was right. And for example, look, if if um I don't know if Bruno, uh, not Bruno, um, the, the Portuguese center back that they have, Ruben uh, Diaz, Ruben if, he Diaz. Get, if he gets sent off against um, Southampton, they're not doing what Byron just did to Strugard. Because I think Southampton and Strugard are, are comparable in terms of Bundesliga. And, and, Southampton um, were top of the league at one point. That's a, so that's a you look at that. The, my point is Man City isn't responding the way, the way Byron just did. And if, if you if you are taking Strugard against Southampton, I'm wrong with Strugard. They have two really good strikers um, with um, God. I can't pronounce either of their names, but the the Croatia the uh, Balkan striker that a lot of teams are interested in, and then um, the guy who has like a gazillion letters in his last name starts with a W. And then they have Kula Bali as a left midfielder. They have a lot of really really strong players, and they made that team look like Schalke. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. <laughs> this reminds me, dare I say it, of the 2015 Champions League semifinals. You got Juventus and Real Madrid, and then you got Bayern and Barcelona. Mm -hmm. Bayern are much stronger than Juventus. There's no yeah. doubt about it this year. And yet Barcelona made Juventus, Barcelona made Bayern look more weak than Real Madrid made Juventus look weak. Mm -hmm. What I mean by that is like they had a tougher opponent and they did more damage to them. Yeah. It's ridiculous. They lost the second game because they took the foot off the gas and they subbed off Neymar and Suarez so that they wouldn't get injured for the final. But, like, that's the same with this. Man City, they can't beat Leon. And then there's Bayern that beats Leipzig 3-0. No, no, no. Bayern beat that that same Leon 3-0 in the semifinal. What, what would they have done? That's, what will this Bayern do to Man City? I'm actually curious. Dortmund may be doing Bayern a favor by letting City go through. So I don't think City are winning this Champions League. No, and again, the, a lot of Premier League fans are picking Man City, and a lot of fans who are not watching the Bundesliga like you and I are, are picking Man City. You can pick Man City, but not with your broken argument. Oh, Bayern a week at the back, huh? Week at the back, huh? How many goals did they concede in the group stage? Not very many. How many goals did they concede in the round of 16? Not very many. So this week at the back argument, this doesn't it doesn't apply to what they're talking about. So if, if you're gonna say Manchester City will win the Champions League and will knock out Bayern, I'm fine with that because I'm I'm open to any argument that we that we have in football because I think it's good to have different perspectives. Sometimes you even disagree with people you don't normally disagree with. Me and Jack, for example, who we'll have on next week, 
we were ba we basically agreed on everything for four years. And then the other day when I talked about um, Robertson's moment being the the downfall of Liverpool. That's fair. He is a Liverpool. We just he, no, he's fair in that in what he was saying, and and we both have arguments. But it's fine to have a disagreement with with one another. And I think you know it's perfectly fine. So I'm not. I don't get offended when someone says Manchester City is going to win the Champions League. I get offended when someone says Chelsea is going to win the Champions League. But yeah, no. That's that's a lot of pool. That's yeah. Lot of pool. So so me me personally, I think if you're gonna say Man City is gonna win the league that, or the the Champions, that's fine. But if your argument is because Bayern a week at the back, then oh, don't talk no to me. Then don't talk to me. You have exactly. to think of something better. If you're gonna say, oh, Pep is Pep is a mastermind. He has this team playing much different. You can say that. It's a better argument than Bayern a week at the back. It's just it's and it's not even they're they're strong at the back. It's just again we talked about this before. Look, Frankfurt and Wolfsburg have the have more balls to go at Bayern the way no one will. For, like I, I was talking with um, with Danielle on a podcast we did a couple of days ago, and I said that what what Frankfurt and teams like Frankfurt and Wolfsburg and other teams that have who've done well against Bayern in the league, I call their tactics a suicide mission because you don't you never attack a team that can kick your you know what on every time they go forward, but. But the, the Frankfurt game, they went right at Bayern. They attacked them. Like, they threw the entire kitchen sink at Bayern, and they beat them. Man City are not going to attack Bayern Munich that way. And, again, I might get heat for this. Frankfurt over two legs would would be much more difficult for Bayern Munich than Man City is. Man I City agree. I agree. Man City, they are on a, they were on a 20-game winning streak. They faced a Manchester United that were lost to, like, Southampton. No, they lost to Sheffield. <laughs> And this Man United walked that game. I don't get it. But Borussia Dortmund, no, man. They're in a tougher league. I yeah. will say this. I think the Bundesliga is tougher than the Premier League. It is. And the whole, yes, with Liverpool beat Real Madrid, it may, it may look a little embarrassing. It's, 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 they have, there's obviously defensive strengths in the Bundesliga, but the attacking mindedness of the Bundesliga is like no other. So yeah. this morning, this morning I was watching um, four games on my TV at once. After the first half of these games, there had been 12 goals. In 45 minutes of football, Byron was up, uh, I think, 4-0. I think uh, uh, Frankfurt had a 2-1 lead. And then there was, there was, there was a, I don't remember all the games. It was, it was this morning. But, but the attacking mindedness, they, they again, Man City does, or don't have the balls to go at Bayern Munich the way Frankfurt and Wolfsburg would. Um, I'm just thinking of those two because I, I just have a hard argument making an argument for Dortmund after the what has happened the last two times they played Bayern. But over over two legs, Bayern would beat um, Frankfurt probably, I don't know, 8-6 or something like that, 5-3. I think Bayern would beat City 4-1, 5-2, something like that. Um, there's there's this illusion that City have the the special sauce that they can get against Bayern. They have the City strikers are who do they have up top? Uh, Gabriel Jesus. Gabriel Jesus, and they play, I believe, a false nine. They sometimes have Bernardo on the wing with Phil Foden. Uh, Gundogan plays as an attacking mid, and then Raheem Sterling left wing, who sometimes believes in. But they don't use Aguero as much anymore. Okay, so you can say a speedy striker can cause Bayern some problems, but not enough for it to be a hard attack. Um, so guys like Silva, big physical striker, who 
may not have the speed is can can harm fire much more precisely because when 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 someone is attacking Bayern and they're they're going with numbers and then they slow down, Bayern are out of whack. And that's how that's how you get them. You don't get Bayern by going on a counterattack with speed because Bayern are are they have the 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 team back there or the, the back line is able to deal with those situations more easily than a counterattack that is slowed down at the very end, where you allow Silva to get that space and ultimately, you know, find the back of the net or whoever it is. Um I think Kamada scored in that game. And again, when, when Frankfurt beat Bayern Munich, um, I believe for, uh, Andre Silva did not play. So they beat them without the best player. Um, but this is what bothers me. We've said it a million times, but little teams, they have the, the guts, I'll use that phrase, this yeah. time, to, to play smart against Bayern, to tackle them, to go for mm-hmm. the throw. And the big teams, they don't. They don't do that. They that's unfortunately what causes them to, to concede the possession, I guess, even the dynamic of the game to Bayern's yeah, control. Exactly. And you know how Dortmund were 2-0 up against Bayern mm-hmm. and lost 4-2? Yeah. I, I, I believe that they, any team can do that to Bayern, that they can go 2-0 up against yeah. them. And the second the second they went up 2-0, I'm like, it's coming. Just you wait. It's coming. Because I knew I had a fe- – I just had a feeling they were going to come back because – they were winning the first game when they played because I think both games were 4-2 and Dortmund had scored and 20 seconds later, Bayern had equalized or something yeah. like that because they scored right before halftime. And in stoppage time, I remember David Alba scored off a set piece or off a corner or whatever. And, and, they, and then in this one, you had they made uh, Dortmund were able to, to break them down and get through. And, and I'm not saying – so City would, would, would beat Frankfurt easily without, without too much difficulty. But Frankfurt plays a style of football that frustrates Bayern. The way City play Bayern doesn't doesn't really doesn't it's not going to to, to be a problem for them. Um, same with PSG. I mean, I like PSG a lot, and and I wish they didn't have to meet up this early. But again, Neymar has to be out of his gore to, to and for 180 minutes or 120 minutes or whatever to, to actually take them down. And I think it just seems, you know. It just seems like that's that's it's just they're on a, they're on a fast track to the Champions League final, and and if you think of, if you think about the other bracket real quick, it doesn't matter who comes out of that. They're no way. Um, it's that that's just trying to get to the final. It's like um, I don't even know how to explain it, but just just get to the final and pray pray that you have a Portugal moment. You know, you're all 2016. Yeah, exactly. And the thing is, <laughs> I, I even think I even think Chelsea can find a way to get to the final. Yeah, yeah. I don't think they're gonna uh, win the tournament though. That's they just, would never win the tournament, but I think no. I think just the fact there are so many people dismissing Bayern Munich as a legitimate threat to City is why they'll lose. Again, Man United in their Europa League group should win easily, but if they think of themselves already in the semifinal, then they'll get hit in the mouth. And I think that's where it really comes down to. And this Bayern team, you know, if you're gonna say they're not gonna win it, come with a come up. Don't give me that weak argument. Oh, it's weak at the back. Yeah, so weak at the back that um, barely Atletico Madrid couldn't do anything against them. You know what I mean? So weak that in the Champions League this season, they've had one of the best back lines out of anybody. Again, they don't they don't need defending defending help. They would like some. It's not like a desire. Um, just kind of how we talked about the other week about Barca 
uh, City and Chelsea don't need Erling Holland. They want him where Barca would quote unquote need him. Need. In this situation, they don't need world-class defenders. They would like some because it would give them a little bit more security. And that's why they go and get Opacano. And I, I, I assume they'll, they'll go after some other players as well. But um, I, I just think it's blown out of proportion. They, they take a 10-minute a sequence and decide right then and there that Byron a week at the back. And I think that's not accurate. I, I did want to mention, like, this is the repeat of the final the next year. And yeah. it reminds me of Atletico Madrid against Real Madrid. Like, you know how the Golden State Warriors and the Cavs kept meeting in the finals every, oh, yeah. single, year. every single year? Like, this is the new Real Madrid Athletic. What I mean is 2013-14, Champions League final, Real Madrid Athletic. 2014-15, quarterfinals, Real Madrid Athletic. Yep. 2015-16, the final mm-hmm. in Milan. 2016-17, the final iteration. Yeah. And then the Super Cup. Like, this rivalry was El Clasico when it wasn't, you know? Yeah. I feel like Bayern PSG could be the new one. And we mentioned this before. If they hadn't met here, they would have met yeah. in the final. They would have met in the final. If you can, you will, you know? PS- PSG beats anybody else. Easily, easily. Yeah. It's, I think, they're, uh, this the difference between PSG and Man City is that although PSG had never made the final before, yeah. like they have world class players. Because yeah, and remember, PSG was known for what in the Champions League, being the biggest chokers around. Yeah, that's what they were. And then they got to the final, and that whole um, that whole narrative is totally annihilated because they got to the final. Look, if Bayern, by some stretch, by Neymar being the greatest thing that's ever existed, finds a way to take down this team. PSG win the Champions League, write their name on the trophy. They're they're not being taken down by Man City isn't beating PSG. Let's come on, let's, let's get real with ourselves. And then you look at because they they lost some pieces, but they got in Moise Moise Keane, who's scoring like crazy. They have Neymar, they have Mbappe, and again, if you if Mbappe makes those chances against Bayern, they beat him last year. So uh, it's just like a, PSG are overwhelmingly the second favorites. Um, in general, um, the fact that they're they're taking on Bayern makes them like the fourth or fifth favorites because they're taking down on the team that's that's has the ability to win multiple Champions League. So um, Man City isn't even the second um, best team in this competition right now, and I think people kind of believe that. And I love Pep, I love his team, um, but they they conceded five against Leicester. Show me the game where Bayern conceded five against anybody because I don't see it on the schedule. It's got to be a special team, like 2015 Barcelona or something. It would have to be an individual special performance or a special team performance. Like like we saw with Porto against Juventus, what we saw against Lyon against uh, City, what we saw against Monaco against um, City, what we saw against, uh, you know, a lot of um, – what was the other one they lost to? Uh, not Liverpool. Okay. But, you know, you get the idea. Byron, for as much as we want them to be, the world does not orbit around them, and there's plenty of other great teams. Mm-hmm. Now, do you think this dominance is going to continue? Because even if they don't win it this year, yeah, next year, with potentially more experience on Sonny's shoulders and a back line that won't have Alaba, but potentially could have Obamecano in it, do you think that they'll – do you think that they can get better? Yeah, they'll win the treble next year. I'm calling it right now. Really? Bayern, Bayern, Bayern Munich will win the treble next year. Um, Sané will become much more. 
he's world class while being kind of a rotational starter. And then he's going to become more mature. He's going to become more of a they'll rely on him a little bit more than that they have this year. Mueller will be older. Lewandowski will probably be kind of the same. And then the team will be a little different. I think he'll become much more important. Um, and then you look at some of the other pieces that I have, Serge Gnabry and, and Leon Gorgatsuga and Joshua Kimmich and others. And then they added Upakano from Leipzig. Um, and in that Bayern Munich machine, he's going to become something really exceptionally special. So as bad as not as they're not been bad at the back, but they've had moments where they have been in a little trouble of conceding um, goals and stuff like that. But it's not an issue. It's not a like a weakness. It's just something they, they could be a little better at. They're going to get even better. They're going to be more secure there. They'll go out there and get an, another couple of signings and they'll be almost um, unbeatable. Because if you look at the team that they have right now versus, and you know, the, the gap between Bayern Munich and the next best team in Europe, it's still quite wide. And I imagine it's going to get even bigger next year, especially if they're able to, uh, to sign some good players as well as uh, there's more, this team is going to mature more. And you can even look at the bench and you look at um, Mascala, the, the, uh, the English German um, midfielder or whatever he is, he's going to get better. He's going to get more time. Old Davies is going to become much more important. And you just, you just, you just think that all of this is going to end with Bayern Munich uh, kind of winning everything again, but this season, I still think they'll win it again, but next year, certainly, I think they're only going to get better. And that's the scary part about all this. By the way, you mentioned Atletico before, how they had no chance against Bayern. But in all fairness, they didn't do a thing against Chelsea, and they lost 3-0 in aggregate. Mm -hmm. What were your takes on this time? Do you think this will have a little bit of a detriment to you all Felix's season? Uh, yeah, because people are going to look at Jao Felix's season as, as if that he, he's underperformed or he's not worth what they paid him. Um, what this tells me is Simeone is going to be back next season. Uh, they can't accept this. They they lost to a Chelsea team that had just changed a manager who was at some point in the season was like an eighth place. Tuchel has kind of changed everything. And my biggest take, there's two takeaways. The defensive football thing cannot, unless you did it like Mourinho, you can't win that way in European football. Um, so I, I think that Simeone, one of them needs to go. Either Simeone or Felix. Felix going somewhere else, what I think is unlikely, or Simeone think, walking out. I think Simeone is going to walk. I yeah, think I think he's going to walk as well. And then where is his destination? Like, I'm curious for that. Um, it's. I think it'll be in Italy somewhere. Um, Ryan always always tells me it's never going to be in England because he may be the most hated person by English fans. <laughs> they hate him so much. So I don't think he's going to go. If he did, that would be awesome. Um, I don't know. Um, Inter was always the spot where I thought he'd end up eventually, but that job's not going to be available. If Pilro leaves, maybe he goes to Juventus. If he doesn't, and maybe maybe he gets the AC Milan job if that opens up. I'm not sure. Maybe he takes a year off and just waits and see what how the chips fall because Allegri is still sitting out there waiting for a job because I think he's waiting for um, something that excites him and things like that. But. I think you have to take him out. Uh, out. Simeone needs to leave. And an attacking-minded manager needs to go to Atletico to allow Felix to be unleashed and, and to take off the training wheels and let, let the kid do what he does. And, and uh, you know, so the, the season he's had is not his fault. He's, he's had a very productive season in terms of numbers, as terms of performance. Um, 
he wasn't great in these two games. Um, so he, he does take some blame here, but I think overall the way the team is set up doesn't benefit the attacking players they have in this team. On the other end, Tuchel's been a slam dunk at Chelsea. He still hasn't lost a game. And this is why I think they might have a chance to make the Champions League final is because he still hasn't lost and hasn't had like a really bad performance yet. And they're playing much better football. They're, the, the team is better. All these players that were underperforming are starting to perform. And, and um, so Tuchel played that that over those two legs perfectly. And Atletico obviously um, uh, need some infusion of attacking minded football. Exactly. Now, by the way, I was curious. The Germany spot still hasn't been filled. That void hasn't been. There's no replacement. Who do you see right now? We mentioned this before, actually. It's not going to be Klopp or Flick, but potentially the next German manager. And I know that's a little bit of out of left field, but news circulated today that Flick confirmed he will not be the next Germany boss. Well, yeah, I think that's kind of smart. <laughs> why would I leave this? Yeah, I, I mean, why would you leave this Bayern team? Seriously, you look at what Pep did at at, um, at Barcelona. That's the best team I've ever seen. Capello's Milan is probably the second best team I've ever seen. And then as far as the team that I, but this Bayern team is one of the four or five best teams I've ever that, that I've ever seen. It just makes no sense to, to leave a situation like this. It's not going to get better than this. This is the best you're going to get out of the situation. Um, as far as the Germany job, the guy who was doing their under 21, um, uh, do you know his name? By any chance. Um, fuck, uh, I forgot his name. Um, but I think he's likely to be the next guy up because that's how kind of, that's how they've kind of done um, it before because um, – Joachim Love was a uh, one of the under um, under twenty one manager. Then he became the big manager, um, and then obviously, um, um, and out of left field, maybe a little bit. Maybe Jurgen Klinsmann is not a bad choice. Oh, He's been out of his club football resume hasn't been great, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it's been actually it's pretty it's been okay. But at the same time, not having to. Uh, it's not a day-to-day job, but he knows the he knows the Germany national team inside and out, and I would love to see the, him win the world. I don't I don't like the German national team as, as most people know, but if he were to win the World Cup with Germany, I just want to see what the U.S. fans would say after what would happen there. Um, and he got that U.S. team out of the out of the group of death in one of the most difficult groups that there was in the World Cup, and could have beaten Belgium. So I think he has what it takes um, for th- that situation. Um, again, I think it's it's pretty open as far as what's going to happen after the year, after the summer. But I think Jurgen Clemson is something, someone maybe they should take a look at. Wow, that's, that's a good one. Also, Elliot, was there anything else that you wanted to, to discuss in this week's podcast? Because it, although we did have changes like action midweek with Ramajid beating Atalanta, in yeah. what seemed to be a comfortable win because of Zapata being not subbed on quick enough. And I'm so Vinicius sick. Junior being Vinicius Junior, dribbling through everyone, but then failing to score. Yeah. Um, um, Zapata, man, what are they doing with that? I I think he should demand a transfer. I went on a big run. I, I, I was on a, another podcast on, on my Monday show, The Culture Tears, um, and I, I was just going off for like a couple of minutes because – 
how do you leave your best player on the bench in your biggest match of the season? That's disrespectful towards Zabata. And it, it kind of highlights the fact that Gasparini is responsible for the development of Zabata and Gomez, but a lot of success is basically pulsed through Zabata and Gomez. And at the end of this, they deserve a trophy, a, a statue, those two, and that's it. <laughs> Gasparini helped them, but but he doesn't get the, the praises that those two get. And he's ruined their two greatest players in club history. Five years ago, this didn't this club didn't have any history. And Gomez and Zabata were a part of creating that. And so to leave him off on the bench in the biggest match of the entire season, it, it just I, I just don't understand it. And by the time he was subbed on, it was already over. So, I mean, you just have to be – and I, I love the free kick thing that they did. That was awesome. That was really <laughs> creative. I uh, Just blocking the, the the view a little bit of Courtois. Um, mm. But to leave Zabata – because it's winnable if he starts from the first minute of the game. And they did make That's a huge – they did make a huge mistake in that game. But if Zabata's on the pitch, I don't know if he allows that to happen because of the leader that he is for this Alanta team. And he was on the bench um, two, two games before that. He would played the previous game, so he was healthy. And the second he came on, he started doing some really good stuff. So it just shows how important that he was to that team. And, and for Gasparini to, um, to leave him on the bench is just ridiculous. Yeah. But at the end of the day, we live and die by our actions. And Atlanta, they've been pretty unfortunate in these past two years. They faced two super teams. Actually, what am, I, what am I kidding? This was not the strongest Real Madrid they could have faced, no. but it's still Real Madrid. And last season, they faced PSG, the finals. Yeah. They could have beat Real Madrid, Madrid if they just played Zabata. Yeah. Had had they had a few other cards been in their favor, they could have gone through in both of those ties. Last year's yeah. uh, quarterfinal yeah. and this year's round of season. If, um, if Max Allegri is the coach at, at Alanta, they would have made the uh, they would have made the semifinal last year, and they would have made the quarterfinals this year, so, under a different coach with better tactical um, awareness and just better um, in, in those types of situations. They would have gone through. It was because it was circumstantial because Gasparini uh, made some really horrific decisions over in, in a couple of those games that really cost them. Uh, it caught, and again, the first leg came down to Zabata being injured, not because of the red card and. Um, yeah, um, Zabata should try to get a move out. Um, I mean, there's a lot of teams that will be interested if he, if he becomes available. And that would make himself available. And, again, he can he can go out of a blaze, with a blaze of glory with a Copa Italia victory. Um, but, again, I think Zabata, after after being benched in the biggest match of the season, I think there's going to be there's, – there's a certain um, trust that has been, have, that has been breached – and I think Zabata um, should be looking for a different club next summer. Um, which club would that be? Because I don't think Chelsea have found a, a replacement for Giroud, and he fits the mold for me. Um, Sevilla, maybe, because of Gomez is there. Yeah. That's interesting. <laughs> um, it's hard because I have to think of how they're going to handle the transfer if they if this happens. Because uh, if Zabata is 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 marketed based on his price, it'll be like only I mean it'll be like 50, 60 million. So not all clubs can pay it. If they if they give if they sell Zabata for less money because of what he's done for the club, then then Roma's the ultimate um, destination. If you just think of 
the types of goals um, that Zabata would get in, in the, the Roma team that's in place would be truly remarkable. Um, I would say um, Real Madrid won't do it because they have bigger um, ideas in mind. Um, Barcelona, maybe, but probably not. But I'm sure there's some La Liga teams that'd be interested. The Sevillas of the world. Um, Valencia could be a good place for him. Um, I think he his physical body type fits Premier League football. Yeah, it does. But who would – I'm trying to think of who would – ooh. What about Man United? They, they do like going for those – because Cavani's Cavani's what thirty five years old. Yeah, Cavani wants out. I heard that he wants to go to River Plate or Boca Juniors. And um, Zabata's twenty nine years old. He still has another couple years left of, of really high functioning football. Maybe Arsenal if if yeah, Aubameyang Arsenal. gets goals. Um, you know, Premier League actually is probably the best place for him. So I would it's say it's between Arsenal, Man United, and. Um, I don't see Liverpool. I don't see City. I don't see Chelsea because uh, I think Chelsea are happy with what they got there. Plus, they just spent all that money on Werner. Um, yeah, so I think it's between Man United and and, um, um, and Arsenal. Spurs maybe, but I don't. I, no one wants to go there after what happened <laughs> this, uh, this <laughs> last week. That's fair. Well, we'll have to wait and see for this upcoming draw because we mentioned before how. Oh, actually, we could end on this one. Real Madrid versus Liverpool. Both teams are shaking. It's not a repeat of the 2018 final to that extent. But I think it's going to be survival of the fittest. Who's less bad? And I think it's Liverpool, despite, despite whatever I think. Because last year when City beat Real Madrid, hmm, I truly thought that Real Madrid were like they were leading the league. And they had everything in their power to be able to beat Manchester City. And yet they look yeah. like second-class players there. They look like a second-division team. Right. And that's um, yeah, I think, I think Liverpool goes through personally. Um, yeah. They're going to want to use the motivation as well from losing the final to them a, a couple years ago based on some goalkeeper errors um, that – you know, that that those fans will never forget. Obviously, there's also the Salah-Ramos situation. Yeah. That I believe, I think that got completely blown out of proportion that, that Ramos tried to injure Salah. I don't, I don't, I don't agree with that at all. I think it was an unfortunate situation, but I'm not going to go, you know, bring up old stuff, but Salah's movement with, he had his, um, Ramos's arm underneath his, um, um, arm so um it, it was just unfortunate how that happened but i don't think you can i, I just don't i just don't agree with the fact that Ramos just decided to injure Salah. that's i think that's just ridiculous it's just like but, it fits the mold because of reputations because ramos is an aggressive player yeah and he is a very unlikable player in the eyes of many right exactly and i think that's partly why um a lot, so many people side with Salah when he in in my opinion he he was part of the reason why he got injured because of, of that play. But it's what it what it happened in the past happened in the past. But regardless of what is the truth about that situation, there's going to be tension between those two. 
Oh yeah. And I'm, no, I'm looking forward to, to all that. And, um, but I do give Liverpool a slight advantage. Oh, yeah. um, but I have a feeling it's not going to be a walk at the park. Nah, there's going to be defensive mistakes. There's probably going to be a penalty, some BS, some red card. But I think Liverpool will just, they, they can recover from their worst much better than this Real Madrid can. Yeah. Like, they, I have been disappointed by Real Madrid much more, obviously, because mm-hmm. I watched them. But Liverpool, like, when they have lost games this season, it's just been, like, a lack of goals and conceding one. When Real Madrid lose, they lose because they are so bad at the attack. They will not score in five years of gameplay. Yeah. Liverpool, it's like, they're knocking on the door and they lose. That's it. That's yeah. It. Uh, the, key, the key player in this game, though, for me is Luka Modric. Yes. Um, if, if he can play the way he's played most of the season over the two legs – I think that he, that Real Madrid could go through, but I just trust Liverpool slightly more in this situation. Um, and a game like this for me comes down to managers. I just trust Klopp a little bit more than I trust Zidane. Um, and Liverpool's season in the Premier League is over, basically. And this is yeah. this is the one thing they can hang their hat on and try to to prove that they 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 still are up there with the very best. And I think this is a perfect platform for that. It is gonna. It is. It is a coin flip, but I would say Liverpool have a slight advantage. Definitely, and I think it's the one tie that people are underestimating. By the way, Porto Chelsea. Yeah. What do you think goes through there? I think Chelsea goes through, but I, again, I don't think it's one of these things that Chelsea are going to win this easily. I think it's going to be really tough. Porto gives teams problems all the time, um, and they gave problems to. Um, uh, they beat. They beat Juventus. Um, in the past, they. Had- I will tell you this: if Chelsea walk the park with Porto, this is going to kill Juventus. It's going to look so bad. Part, so- part, part of, like again, I think I'd love to see Chelsea just win this like five 0 Yeah, I want that so badly, just to prove once and for all. Oh, <laughs> uh, and then obviously it, it will be tough, though. I think I think Porto. Chelsea are probably very happy to have drawn Porto, but Porto are probably very happy to have drawn Chelsea. If you were asked, if you were to ask a Porto fan, that would probably have been their preference based on the other teams that are in the competition. So, so we'll see between those two. And again, you can't think of yourself already in the semifinal because that's how you that's how you lose games like that. Um, and so I hope Chelsea. Um, for sure, Tuchel's not going to look at, the, at it that way. But I hope men- mentally they don't look at it that way. And I think I think Chelsea goes through, but it's, it's, it will be tough. I think if there's one goal in it. Definitely. But the other ties, I can't split between Bayern and PSG, man. This this tie. I don't. I can't either, but I do think Bayern win it. Yeah, I think it's going to be the most fun game. Either a lot of goals or none, but don't get me wrong. Yeah, I, I think – with these teams. So, so what I what I think is so for um in Paris it will be a draw in in uh in Munich um they'll win like two one. Yeah, that's for sure. And I just can't wait. That's in like mid April, right? That's that's not this month by any chance, is it? Uh, no, because we have uh we have this weekend, break. then we have international break for a week, and then we have a couple of games, and I think it's in the middle of, of April. Man, but next week we'll talk about the Euros for sure. Yeah, because, because we, we won't have anything else. But like, yeah, so we have the Europa League, obviously, and um, Champions League, and I'm terrified of Ajax. <laughs> um, <laughs> fingers crossed. 
we'll have to wait and see. But this has been James and Elliot with another episode of the Full Playfix podcast. We'll catch you guys next week. Take care.